Good morning. Good to see you guys. Glad you are here. Uh, we are finishing up a series today, but if you haven't been here for the other two weeks of the series, that's okay because I think each and every uh, message has kind of been encapsulated in and of itself, but there is a larger theme. We've been doing this series called Let's Go, and we've been looking at um, when you We've had some very practical things to do, okay? With, with every week uh, so far, we've had some practical things for us to do because we're like, this is, we were talking about the DNA of who we are as the porch. We're talking about like, why do we exist? I mean, there's a bajillion churches in Valdez, so why have another church? Like, but we, we were like, this is who we want to be. And, and we've talked about, we have this, this tagline or, or mission statement, if you will. We said we're following Jesus for our community. Will you say that with me? Following Jesus for our community. And it's like, let's put some legs to that. Let's not just have like a, a sign that says that or for us just to be able to repeat it, but put legs under that. And what does it mean to be for our community? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Most important. And then because of that, what does it look like to, to, to do that in our community, um, for our community? So we have been talking about this. And, and one of the things that we've zeroed in on is that, you know, part of our DNA is, is we say that, that worshiping and together and serving together, participating in the, in the life of the church and, and giving are these vital aspects, the indicators, if you will, of, of how we're doing being part of the, the life of the church now, I'm going to be in a couple of different places in the, in the Gospels this morning. We're going to be in Matthew and in Luke, and, and uh, we'll even jump over into Levit- Leviticus for a minute. So because of that, I would just encourage you to remember these verses, write these down, and go and read the larger context of some of the verses that we're looking at today, uh, because that's where, that's where the, the Scriptures uh, really come alive, is when we look at a context and not just a text. So, um, but we're going to start in Matthew 22. Uh, beginning in verse 37, uh, we, we looked at this the very first week. It's, it's actually one of our key verses for the, church, for the church, why we say we're following Jesus for our community. Beginning in verse 37, someone has asked Jesus what the most important commandment is, and he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. Super easy, right? Okay, we all got that down. And then he says, and th- this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he follows it up and says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, we could just talk about this passage, these few verses, every single Sunday until we go to glory. Because the, the fact of the matter is, is that for us to love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. Our passions are divided uh, our attention is divided, um, all these things. And it's like, love him with everything. And then Jesus, when he's asked what's most important, he throws on this second part, which, I mean, he's Jesus. <laughs> he knows us. He's, he's God. He knows us. Because he says, he doesn't just say, hey, love other people the really best you can. He says, no, no, love others as you love yourself. He knows our heart. 
He knows our tendencies. And guess what? We're going to be number one. We're going to think about ourselves first. We're going to look at what, what is most important to us. And, and he knows that we are going to look out for number one. So often it's just, it's, it's, it's that, that sin nature. It's that, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's wired there. And it's like you're going to love yourself. So love your neighbor the way that you're looking out for yourself. Love your neighbor the way that you put so many things in priority for yourself. That's how you love your neighbor. You don't just try to be kind to them. No, love them the way you love yourself. And he says that because he knows our heart. And he knows that, that we're going to put that as a priority for us to look out for ourselves. So I said this in week one. Um, but I, I want to repeat it. You see, a love for God... And following in his ways, it should be the motivation for everything we do. A love for God and following in the ways of Jesus should be the motivation for everything we do. And that commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves, it's an indicator, another indicator that if, if we don't have love for our neighbor, then we simply don't know the true heart of God. And this is a challenge. This is an incredible challenge for us to live this way, to think this way, to apply this into every aspect of our life. And we're talking about action. We're saying, let's go. Let's live this out. So when Jesus answers this question, what's most important? Oh, love God with everything and love your neighbor yourself. This question comes up. If you've ever sat in church, you've heard a sermon on this, you've, you've read this, but the question comes up is, well, then who's our neighbor? Who is our neighbor then? Okay, if I've got to love my neighbor like I love myself, then I need to know who my neighbor is. Who's my neighbor? Who's our neighbor in our community? The command, and this is maybe like a, this is just a little teaser into where we're going next. Our next series, and I know you guys are going to be super excited about this, like I I'm, I'm just going to, you're probably just going to jump up out of your seats and like, just like yell and scream. Um, Leviticus. <laughs> right? So we've, <laughs> woohoo! Uh, but no, we, we've done this. So we, we went through Genesis um, and we've gone through Exodus. And so now we're going to do, uh, we're going to go through Leviticus together. And it's been really, uh, as I've been preparing for this. So, but here's a little, so this little teaser for where we're going next, but so when Jesus says, when he answers, and love your neighbor as yourself, the one he answers, he knows where Jesus, Jesus didn't just like just say, hey, I'm going to add this on out of nowhere. Jesus is actually quoting Levitical law. He's going to the Old Testament when he tells them, and love your neighbor as yourself. It comes originally from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Where it says this, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. That's important to keep in mind there. He says, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So when Jesus is asked what's most important, it's love God with everything and love your neighbors yourself. Which goes right back to the Levitical law, which that person knew when they asked Jesus the question. So here you go, in a larger context, the Jewish people of Jesus' day, knowing Old Testament law, they would have understood 
their neighbor then to be who? Their fellow Israelite. Because that's what Levitical law set up. That's what verse 18 tells us. Oh, that's my neighbor. So they had an actually a reference point to go to whenever Jesus said, when he quotes, or when Levit- Leviticus says, love your neighbor. They, they had a way to go. They said, oh, okay, my fellow Israelite. But here's the thing. With, through Jesus, what God is doing, and he does this all through the New Testament, is God is establishing a broader definition of his love for his people. A broader definition of grace, a broader definition of sacrifice, a broader definition of who is even welcomed into and being called his children. So that he is actually broadening now the definition of neighbor, one that includes non-Jewish people like the majority of us. See, with Jesus, we get grafted into God's chosen people. And, and here what we find is that, that Jesus is saying, all right, if you're, everyone can be my people, then, then everyone can be our neighbor. So loving our neighbor is more than simply loving those who are like us. Like, oh, you're, you're an Israelite, I'm an Israelite, great, I'll love you. Jesus is expanding that. So now it's not, do you look like me, do you worship like me, you know, Do we live in the same neighborhood? Do our kids go to the same school? You know, does our voter ID have the same, you know, letter next to it? Like it's, those get removed and it's who is our neighbor and it's, it's all of us. In Luke chapter 10, amen. In Luke chapter 10, uh, an expert in the Jewish law, right? He was a scribe. It was his job to reproduce the scriptures. This is what he did. He knows the scriptures. And an expert, he, he asked Jesus his law. He, he's testing Jesus. And he's like, oh, well, what, do we, what must we do uh, to inherit eternal life since you're saying you're the Messiah, the Son of God? And he knew this command. He knew the command to love, to love God with, with all of one's being. He knew this command. He knew the command to love one's neighbor as himself. He knew Levitical law. But in verse 29 of Luke 10, Luke points this out. He says the man wanted to justify his own actions, right? He, he knew what was in his heart. He was trying to say, give me, can I, can I have the most narrow definition of what will it take to enter into eternal life? What's the most narrow definition of my neighbor? What's basically the least amount I have to do to, to be a, a faithful follower? That's what he's doing. This is what he's testing Jesus with. And it says he wants to justify his actions. And so he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? He knows who the neighbor is. He knows who the neighbor is based on Old Testament law. Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus replies, a lot of you know this, with a story. The story of the Good Samaritan. Right? And in the story, Jesus tells how two different uh, Jewish priests of different lines, but they're both priests. They both know the law. They're both supposed to be holy. They're both supposed to be representatives of God. 
He tells the story of how this man gets beaten up, robbed, mugged on the side of the road, left to die, and two different religious people who follow God passed by him and did nothing. And then the third guy walks by, not a priest, not a holy person, not considered even part of God's chosen people, a Samaritan, okay? And, and Samaritan considered unclean, considered you know, outside of God's covenant. They have no part with God. And it was the Samaritan who helped the man. And then so Jesus told that story. And then in verse 36, Jesus asks the question, which one of these three would you say then was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. He's expanding the definition of neighbor. He's expanding the definition. And you know, and I, when I look at the question that, that he asks of Jesus, I have to, I have to confess that the part of me is, is like that. It's like, what's the bare minimum? What's the, what's the minimum I have to do? What, what do I, what, what, what can, what do I get, like, will I get, still get a gold star or the check mark or whatever you want to call it, and I can still, you know, call myself a Christian. And that's just not the mindset. Jesus comes to expand our understanding of what it means to love him, uh, expand our, our understanding of what it means to love others. This is what he does. Who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Like, who's our neighbor here? Lowndes County. Who is our neighbor? Is it the person next door? Sure. Is it across the street? Yeah. Neighborhood? Yeah. But, like, who is our neighbor? Well, here, here's what I, I think is a good way to, to say this. Our neighbor is anyone in our proximity with whom we can share God's love. Anyone. See, the, the story that Jesus tells, it, 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 it takes away whatever social uh, barriers there were to keep, you know, a religious person from helping someone or, you know, it, he just like kind of erased all those things. He, he broadened the definition. And so when we talk about our proximity, anyone in our proximity who we can share the love of God with, the truth of God's word with, that's our neighbor. And my goodness, <laughs> proximity even, that, that even changes, that, that definition and understanding changes because with, with technology and everything, who we can be close to in proximity, that even kind of, you know, we could FaceTime with someone across the globe. So, so but our neighbor is anyone in our proximity, anyone, I would, anyone we have a connection with, whatever that connection might look like. And, and it goes a little bit deeper. There, there's a reason that when Jesus told the story, he wasn't like, and they're all Israelites, and they just, weren't very, they just weren't very good people. No, he throws the Samaritan in there for a reason, because the Samaritan is the outcast. The Samaritan is the, ugh, like that's, you don't want to talk about, you don't hang out with them, that kind of thing. They knew that, they understood that. And he did it on purpose. When you look in Matthew chapter 5, um, in verse 44, Jesus is, he is really turning the world upside down with his teaching. Because he says something, he says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. So, big question, who is our neighbor? <laughs> our enemies. 
our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. And I know some of you are going, oh, I don't have any enemies, Shannon. Everything's great. And I just say, you're a liar. You do. Um, <laughs> love your enemies, Jesus says. Love the people who pray for those who persecute you. Not pray for those who are really mean and persecute other people. Like pray for the people that are persecuting you. He says, in that way, you will be acting as true children of the Father in heaven. And then here's a concept that I think just we all need to pause for a minute and consider. Because we do have enemies. We do have people we don't like. We do have people we might even, like we have to really be careful because it's like we have this hatred that can boil up towards, right? This frustration, this anger, this resentment. And it might come with a really serious backstory, you know, that, that almost it makes sense why those feelings might come up. But listen to this. Listen to what Jesus says. He's trying to help the listener. And so this includes you and I now. Understand what he means by loving our neighbor. And who is our enemy? He says, for, he's talking about God, our Father in heaven. Jesus says, for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. So today, the person that you might have a serious problem with, God's sun rose and is warming the earth right now to keep us all from, you know, freezing to death. And, and that sun rose and, and is providing warmth for that person just as much as it is for you. He says, for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. See, this is, this is our God. His definition is bigger and broader. And he says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? He wants us to think bigger. Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Verse 47, if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. He wants us to, to see bigger, to understand bigger. And so we love our neighbors, including our neighbors who seem like enemies to us when we act towards them with a heart that first loves God. This is, this is the challenge. We love our neighbors best when we share God's truth with them. And our neighbors include whoever we're in close proximity to, whatever proximity means. <laughs> and our neighbors include our enemies. We love our neighbors best when we share God's truth with them. I've been really, really encouraged, Porch Community, over the last couple of weeks while we've been in this series because, you know, we had the, the let's go action steps on the wall out there that, that everyone took. And, and some of you are going, oh, yeah, I forgot. I took that little slip of paper. Hey, keep it and follow through with it if you haven't done it yet. Or maybe you already did it and it's like, hey, I'll do this again, whatever it may be. But just to, we needed like a little bit of a visual reminder just to, to go and do something in the name of Jesus for the sake of his kingdom. Instead of being so focused on self, right? I'm so encouraged by that response. I was really encouraged by, by, by those who were able to come out last Thursday for the, this community cares, for the call to care, to just hear about the need for foster parents, foster families, foster individuals in our community for, for all the children that are, that are in the system. And, and they want 
the, the, all the, the, the government entities and, and everyone that has to oversee this, they want Christians. They want people who love God to step into foster. They want this because they know it will have far-reaching impact, not only on that child's life, but, but even in their children and, and on down the road. So I'm thankful that those people came, and we're going to continue to talk about that with Called to Care. We, we are partnering with them. I'm, I love the fact that yesterday, um, so many came out when we went to Scott Park with our ministry partner, Living Bridges, and did a, a, like a Saturday morning VBS-style thing. Uh, it was really fun, and we had a good time, and we fed and f- fed the folks that were there and had like the VBS. It was just great. These are these opportunities that we want to give. And on this third and final week of this series, we're not going to quit talking about those opportunities, but we're, we're paying a, giving a little more highlight than we might normally. But on this third and final week of the series, I'm presenting another opportunity for you to live out your faith to your neighbors, and these particular neighbors might not come to mind right away when you think about who your neighbors are, which is why I've spent the time I've spent already leading up to define who our neighbors are. Because today I want to talk about the prisoner, the inmate, the incarcerated. Are they our neighbors? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they are. In Matthew chapter 25, as Jesus was speaking, he he was saying that when he didn't have anything to wear, when he was naked, he was given clothing. When he was sick, he was cared for. When he was in prison, they were visiting me. And of course they were asked, well, Lord, when, were you, when did this happen to you? Because we would have been there for you. We would have been there for you, Jesus. And he goes, oh, and then he follows up with kind of zinger here in verse 40. <laughs> he says, oh, I tell you the truth. When you did that for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. You were doing that for me. When you do that for others, you do that for me. When you do that for your neighbors, you're doing it for me. When you do that for your enemies, you're doing that for me. And if Jesus were on earth here today, friends, would we find him in the prisons? Would we find him with criminals, with outcasts? Would we find him there? Of course we would, without a doubt. He would be there to do what he said he came to do, which is to seek and to save the lost And just as they are in our neighborhoods, they are in our prisons as well. And because now the church is his representative on earth, then the prison is definitely a place where we should find ourselves as well. We should be representing him there. Here's what happens when we do that, see. We are recognizing in those imprisoned people the dignity of, of them, that they are God's creation. That no matter how, how far they have fallen, no, no matter how far they've gone, that no one is beyond Christ, his love, his power to redeem them and set prisoners free. He said he came to do that. He was quoting Old Testament then too. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they always get just, you know, oh, you get to go free now because you're a Christian. They might still be be behind physical bars, but he has come to set them free, to set them free from the imprisonment of sin, of, of ignorance, of rebellion, of, of their foolish 
foolish choices. And by the way, he's done that for you and for me too. See, Jesus identified himself as the source of freedom for them, real, real freedom. And this is an important part of God's work. It's an important part of the church's work as well. Now, one of our ministry partners, Tim Feathers, and some of you know him, and if you know Tim, um, to say that he's a man on a mission is really actually understating who he is. And he so wanted to be here today, but he's not feeling well. And so I appreciate that he didn't, I don't have to be in proximity to him if he's not feeling well. Um, But he came to me several weeks ago and he was like, Shannon, this is something I I, want to talk to you about as my pastor, but also I want to present to our church because Tim has, he is, he's full bore going into this to Kairos ministry, Kairos ministry. It's, It's a ministry specifically in prisons. And Tim worked in prisons. He worked in security and that that side of it. Like when he was 19, he started doing this thing. Uh, He's not doing that anymore, but he has time in there. And he's seen how when God gets a hold of an inmate, of someone who's incarcerated, he's seen how their life changes. He's seen how Kairos is kind of like Emmaus or Chrysalis. It's a weekend event, and, and um, it, it's not re- connected to them formally, but it's, it's very much like that if you know what Emmaus and Chrysalis are like. And he, when he was working there, he saw that when Kairos weekends were happening among some of the inmates, like, like statistically, they saw on their reports how their incident reports just plummeted, like they went to almost nothing because just just so how God was working in the prison, how the Holy Spirit was working among them during those times. And so Tim has had this uh, connection with some different people, and he really wants to be a part of Kairos ministry. And not only does he want to, but he's like, I think this is something for our church to consider and look at and be involved in. And I said, of course, of course. Now, this Kairos is, uh, this particular one that he's talking about is with our Valdosta State Prison. It's a men's prison. There are some women's prison ministries, but I want to talk specifically about Kairos a little bit this morning because it's another opportunity that's before us. Um, When usually like a weekend, it's like 30 men go in and serve. They don't stay the weekend. They go in and leave and come back. Um, but they, they minister directly with these inmates that the warden and the chaplain have, have said, we want them to participate in this, and they want to participate. Now, since Tim couldn't be here to share a little bit of his passion with you, um, what I thought would be good is for you to hear a, a, a short testimony. Um, we're going to watch this video, and it's from the other side of this. It's not just from someone who worked in corrections, but someone who was in and is now... Well, let's just watch it. You don't need me to tell you what you're going to watch. I'm going to tell you about Kairos, this prison ministry that comes inside them walls. It's a dead man. A lot of people say we dead men. I mean, I was just a madman. Everybody got a story. When you really get touched by God, that's when you know you got a real story. Well, my name is Tommy Fisher. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I grew up in the street gangs there. I got in a lot of trouble. 
I ended up doing 20 years, 11 months flat in prison. I had an aggravated life sentence. I wasn't supposed to never get out. I ran the gangs in prison, you know, and I hurt a lot of men for some crazy reasons. I used to actually get Christians beat up because they say they wanted to come to Christ. That's how crazy and radical I was. But when they pick Kairos, they only pick the worst inmates on the unit because they want the roughest dudes on the unit, the fools, to get changed. And this ministry is actually going in here and showing this love and changing people like that. I'm going to tell you the truth. I went for their food. I didn't go to get saved, but God had set me up. When I was sitting there, man, you know, I was listening to this dude talk. You know when Paul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus, just Jesus' presence knocked him off that horse? I know for a fact I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. I felt it like Paul felt it. And from that day forth, man, God has just been blessing my life. While I was in that prison, I got into this Thurapon Theological Seminary and Bible Institute. I got a bachelor's degree in Biblical Studies. I also went to college and I got me an LBT. I just thank God for God bless me. I got a license to counsel, you know. And I really thank God for what he changed me into because I used to be a monster. I used to really be a monster. The only reason why I don't know if I ever killed a man because I never went back and asked the man who I shot was he dead. But I shot a lot of people and I heard a lot of people lies. But ministries like Kairos can go inside them walls and show a man God's love. Man, if I can tell anybody, anybody about Kairos, man, it's changing lives. Because I got to get God back what he gave me. He gave me back my life. He gave me them years that the locust stole from me. He gave them back to me. <laughs> and I'm thankful for them. So, so Tim brought, brought and I, I've heard of Kairos and, and, and uh, known people that have worked it, but when Tim said, do, do, do we want to do something? Do we, can we share this? And I said, of course. So we're talking about let's go, action steps. Well, there's some things that, that we can all do, and there's other things that only some of us can do. But I want to share with you, because we want to be practical with our faith, right? We want to put something, on, like, let's make our faith alive. Let's make it real. Let's make it not just something that we theoretically listen to and go, hmm, and then we go eat lunch. Like, let's make it something that has impact. So here's a couple of things that we can do that I'll ask you to do. The first is, and this is for all of us, would you pray? If you're a praying person, and I hope that you are, that you would begin to pray for those who are incarcerated. That you would begin to pray for those. And you can just, Lord, I pray for the prisoner in Valdosta State Prison. I pray for them today. I pray for them to, to have hope. I, I, you know, pray. Pray for the prisoner. Pray for them to receive the gospel. Pray for them to respond to the gospel. Pray that their life is changed. That's something we can all do. Secondly, and this is only for some of us, is we need some, some faithful, committed men who will go through the process to work a weekend. Men who, would you pray about that? Would you consider that? Would you... Uh, I wish Tim were here today, but since he's not, what we've done is we've set up with, if you go to our, our website, theporchcc.com, and you go to events, and this isn't really like, you're not signing up to work. 
but this is just how we have our system set up. You can go and, and put your name in there, and what we'll do is we'll give all this info to Tim, and he'll get in touch with you. We'll probably have a offer a Q&A in the next couple of uh, weeks uh, for any who want to know more and ask questions. You're not signing up by going and, and doing that. It's just you saying, hey, I'd like to know more information. Um, so would you pray about that? Would you do that? Third way we can be a part of this is financially. It, it costs money to provide a weekend like this. It costs about $200 an inmate to provide, for them to be able to participate in a Kairos weekend. A lot of that comes with, is in the food. Um, and it's, it's $200 an inmate, and they have 30 inmates per Kairos weekend. So it's $6,000 to be able to, to do that. Um, and so you can say, hey, I'll sponsor an inmate um, or, or however you, you might want to be a part of that. And, and that can be something where if you want to do that today, you can go through our app and do our giving. You can scroll down to Kairos and it will make sure it goes there. We'll make sure the money goes that way. If you're a check writer, you can write Kairos on there and we'll get that to them. And here's the fourth way. So, so we, we pray, everybody. We need some, some faithful, committed men to, to pray about being a part of it and ask more questions. Financially, we can be a part of this. And then fourth, when the weekend gets closer, and I can't remember if it's late September or early October, um, but when that time gets closer, we are going to, they are going to need and we are going to provide, we're going to do our part, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies. It's a game changer for the Kairos weekend. I'll just say this part. I love this. The men are given cookies, and yeah, they'll get to eat some too, but one of the purposes of those cookies is for them to give one to someone who they have wronged in, in prison, like someone there that they've got a beef with. Um, and it's... They're holy cookies, people. That's all I know to say from all the testimonies I've heard through the years is that there's definitely some Holy Spirit in those cookies because that makes a difference. So, so these are the opportunities. As we talk about living in our community, who's in our proximity? Who is our neighbor? What does it mean to follow Jesus for our community? One of those is that we have people that are locked up in our community. And how can, what's the part that we can play as the church to share the gospel with them? Yes, prison is a place where people have, have, they're there for punishment, of course. But God can and does use that as a place for refinement and transformation too. He does. He doesn't give up on those who are in prison, like Tommy in the video. He doesn't. He pursues them in love. How does God feel about the prisoner? <laughs> well, in all their crimes, in all the baggage that, that they've accumulated, in all their hurt, in all the pain that they have caused and that, have, that has been put upon them as well, in all their sin, he loves them through Jesus Christ. Just as he loves you and me in all of our hurt, and all the baggage we've accumulated and all the pain that we've caused and all of our sin. He loves us. So, porch community, let's follow Jesus for our 
community. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that your love for us, it really, it, it's humbling because <laughs> we don't deserve it. We do not deserve the love that you give to us and show to us through your son, Jesus Christ. We just don't. And, um, Father, I pray that not only would we consider the way you have loved us and shown your compassion to us, but, God, even for the most hardened criminal, that your love would be made evident to them as well. God, we're not going to sit here and debate this morning on who deserves to be locked up and who doesn't and all those things. Just as, just as we don't want someone to debate uh, our sin and, and our, our wrongdoing and the way we have hurt others, even those we, we love, we're, just, we're not gonna, we're not going to go into that. You, you're bigger than that and greater than that. What we know is that you love us and you've proven that through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. He gave his life so that our sins could be brought to the foot of the cross, left there. We we could be forgiven of that. We could be made new. We could be new. A new creation, a new person, a, a, a redeemed life. God, I pray that we would would embrace that new life for those of us that call ourselves a believer, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, a lot of different terms, but that we would embrace that we are a new creation and we don't go in our power. We We don't go in our own strength. We don't go in our experience. We go by the way you have worked in our lives, by the power of your Holy Spirit working through us. God, you want to make that possible for so many more. Would we be available to whoever is in our proximity to share this really, really good news? And it's all because of and in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things.